Here's the pitch. Oliver wants to throw. He's got Lance Carl open. Caught. 15, 10, 5, touchdown. The Buffaloes at four on a 52-yard pass from O.C. Oliver to Lance Carl. Running the option on first down. it go. He's got three people down there. The ball's up in the air. Caught. Touchdown. Caught by Westbrook for a touchdown. Here's the toss play up Breaks a tackle. Touchdown. Touchdown. That's five for Chris Brown. Five-step drop. Sefo. Lufa wants the deep ball. Welcome into a new Buff Stampede Radio. Adam Munster Tiger, the publisher of BuffStampede.com. Joined by fan correspondent Tyler Ziskin. Tyler, today is a very big day for the site. In case you haven't seen it, BuffStampede.com has moved the site from the Rivals.com network over to the Scout.com network. Tyler, how you doing today? Are you are you excited about this move? Yeah, I think it's cool. It's been a long time coming, actually, so it's nice to actually get the word out there. Um... We hope you guys follow us over. We know you all have a good relationship with Adam and hopefully me as well. So um, we'll see how it goes. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. It'll be different for sure. But it's kind of exciting to do something new. And, you know, it's been, Especially you've been with Rivals, I think, 13 years. 13 and a half years. Yeah, yeah. so it's got to be super exciting for you. It feels like a whole new, uh, whole new chore. Yeah, I mean, I want to thank Rivals for 13 and a half years. And, and I don't want to part and have it be this really negative thing obviously there were some negative things otherwise I wouldn't have moved to scout but it had a lot more to do with what scout has to offer and I know a lot of people out there are probably wondering why we moved buff stampede over to scout and it really the the long story short is that I think the site is just better off long term and it's going to be a challenge to get everybody over but I think when they see the the work that we were doing on scout or just kind of the reputation that we already have established that I think uh, I think everybody should move over, and uh, I want to thank Joel Cox at Scout. He did a great job recruiting me over there, and it kind of reminds me. He's Joel Cox is kind of like the Darren Cheverini example here, and and what I mean by that is he's he he's a great recruiter, but he had something to sell. You know, CU has the facilities right now, and uh, the new uniforms, and uh, they're selling being up and coming. Scout has a lot to offer, a more progressive attitude. Uh, you'll see some of, some of the stuff soon that they're going to do with their Bainbridge project. Uh, if you have an iPhone, you can download the Scout app. Very functional. They haven't had signing day issues on Scout. Yeah, That's yeah. a big thing. Yeah, it definitely uh, helps us. I know that we've both dealt with a lot of stress the past two or three years with the signing day stuff. So. No doubt. Uh, impressive product development team on Scout. Uh, a great Publisher support staff, uh, a great video module. It's a lot easier for me to get video stuff uploaded for, for fans to see all the great video content we have. They have an iHeartRadio podcast partnership. So if you have that iHeartRadio app, you can actually get our podcasts through there as well. 
one of the things that really sold me on Scott was a fantastic team of recruiting analysts. Brandon Huffman, Greg Biggins, Gabe Brooks, Greg Powers, all those guys for football. There's even more that I didn't name off there. And then they've got a bigger basketball recruiting team, uh, Josh Gershon and Evan Daniels, uh, guys that do a great job. Josh Gershon, you're going to see a lot on our board uh, with basketball stuff. He's really tied in. They, they have a great Pac-12 network. Ryan Gorsey is the publisher of the Cal site. He moved his site over from Rivals to Scout. Ryan Abraham of the USC site did the same thing. Uh, Chris Cardman of the Arizona State site moved from Rivals to Scout recently here. Uh, all, all friends of mine, guys that I really respect. And I think it's going to be good to have kind of that other really good Pac-12 content that, that you can go see on those other sites. And uh, during the football season, they, they do a podcast called the Podcast of Champions where it's kind of cool. You get basically weekly updates from all the other teams in the Pac-12, finding out what injuries happen, um, and they break down every game. So it's kind of a cool thing they do over there. And then with us specifically, and this is probably most important to all UCU fans out there, is that uh, we, we're keeping the, the band together here. I mean, Kyle McCall is actually coming back. He's going to provide recruiting content, so we're really excited about that. Patrick Godosi on game days is going to be doing a lot of stuff with me. He's going to be helping out with a lot of our photography needs, which will be great. Of course, SD Buff, everybody loves him, and, and he's going to be our, our main board moderator. NC Buff with his new stand. And Tyler, of course, you. You're going to kind of have an increased role and stuff, but we're going to get you involved a little bit more in the content. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's a, that's an exciting aspect for me as well, obviously, to have a little more of an increased role. But, uh, it's, you know, it's just I would have, even if I was doing nothing, I would have followed you over there. I mean, we everybody knows how, you know, respected you are among CU fan base. So, I mean, there's nothing left for me at Rivals. Um, so it, it's just an exciting thing to, to be a part of it, I think, and hopefully everybody else agrees and joins along with us because it'll be a fun ride i think and we'll do more of these podcasts we uh have some cool podcasts on the way ryan miller we sat down with and he was awesome yeah that was a great interview i had a lot of fun with that it it wasn't what i was expecting at all so that was cool he's got a lot of interesting things to say um i think you guys will really enjoy that one so that'll be coming out soon too yeah i also sat down with bobby pesavento obviously former cu quarterback and when he starts talking about 62 to 36, I think there's CU fans that are going to get some goosebumps. The way he described uh, being in the huddle during that game was pretty cool. Um, so I'm not much of a salesman, but this is definitely the time to sign up for the scout version of buffstampede.com because for a very, very limited time here, we're offering six months for the price of one. Uh, if you want to go annual, that would mean that you'd get uh, 17 months for the price of 12 Please, please, please take advantage of this promo because it's, like I said, only going to be here for a very short period of time. And uh, I really want people to take advantage of that. Maybe the hardest thing about this move from Rivals to Scout was that contractually I could not say anything until now. And that was definitely the hardest part. And so people that uh, had become you know loyal subscribers over there, I, I, again, I was there for 13 and a half years, so I would imagine a lot of people didn't really expect any changes coming, so that was really yeah. tough. But again, all the things that I detailed earlier are the positives about scout.com and, and the reasons that I really felt this was the best move. And so um, I hope you guys all understand why why I made this move and will we'll join us. That is... Uh, I appreciate you guys sitting through kind of our, our, our sales pitch there in, in terms of why Scout's going to be a great place for buffstampede.com going forward. Now we got to get into C, some CU football talk and, and really dive into the recruiting because there's a lot to talk about there. Commitments. Hallelujah. 
Commitments. 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 When we last talked about the commitments, there were four commitments on board at that time, and fans were pretty excited back then. There was a lot to be, you know, two really highly regarded in-state recruits committed, and two blue-chip receivers were committed. And uh, now, since June 14th, the Buffs have added eight more commits. Uh, you you compare that to last June. So you entered June with no commits last year, and they only had two three-star recruits on board by the end of the month. So a very big difference yeah. this year to uh, last year. Tyler, back in February, if I told you the Buffs would have 12 commitments by the end of June, and only one of those guys would be a two-star, and you'd have two four-star recruits on the commit list, what would you have told me back in, in February if I told you that? I would have said you were on drugs. Seriously, I mean, it's it's just unprecedented early season success in terms of recruiting for CU. Um, it's crazy how much of an impact Darren Cheverini has had. I mean, you look at our commit list right now, and we've got um, the majority of our guys were from California and Texas. And then obviously we have three from Colorado as well. I think those are the only three states we have represented at the moment, which is obviously a big shift from where we've been in the past. A lot of focus on Utah, a lot of focus on last year, the southern states, and in the past more Arizona as well. So it's kind of been an interesting shift. And Chevrini is obviously, we've done a lot of work in Texas, um, a state that we've struggled in, in the past few years. Uh, so it's been interesting to watch. I mean, it's kind of it's kind of surreal um between between the Cavs and the month of June and CU recruiting for me I don't really know how to handle all the success because there's probably been more of it in the last three weeks than there's been in the rest of my life combined so it's been pretty crazy uh it's really exciting though I mean got some studs man I mean we already have as many high, highly ranked guys as we did in last year's class total it's surreal I guess is the best way I can describe it they couldn't even get kids from Dallas to visit yeah. before. And now these really highly regarded guys from that area are listing Colorado as one of their favorites or they've been committing. It's been crazy the difference in that area. Darren Cheverini, obviously, like you mentioned, made it, has made a huge impact. And it's not just his impact, though. It's like risen other guys mm -hmm. recruiting games up. Clayton Adams has always been a really good recruiter, but it's just, it's like even gone to a higher level. Charles yeah. Clark has is, is, uh, been, been recruiting lights out. Darian Hagen was a big part of them getting Alex Fontenot on board. So it, it's been it's been uh, kind of a collective group there. And, and obviously Rick George plays a big role in this. We're going to talk more about the roundtable he had with the media. But just his ability to, to fundraise and get those facilities built has obviously been a, a huge part of this whole thing. And Yeah. It's part of what Chevrolet's done that's so impressive is he's gotten other people involved. I mean, he's making sure that the in-state kids are recruiting everybody um, keeping them active on Twitter, Lance Carl, you said Rick George as well. Um, just there's a lot of other people that are now active on Twitter, which we've talked about in the past is a huge part of what's missing in CU's recruiting is they're not active enough on social media because it's what kids care about. And now you can really see that taking fold. So it's been crazy to watch. I mean, we, we have all these ideas about what can make CU recruiting better. And obviously the facilities are a major factor in that as well, but it's all really kind of coming out in perfect spots. All the puzzle pieces are fitting together. I think it's a good combo, too, with, with Darren Cheverini and Mike McIntyre's personalities because I think Cheverini can really reach the recruits, and I think McIntyre can really reach the parents. I think mm -hmm. it's, it's kind of a good combo there. Yeah. 
we uh, have a lot of new commitments to talk about. On our last show, I think we briefly talked about all four of the guys that were committed at that point. We'll maybe bring them up again, and maybe because I know Dante, Sprocco, and Van Dees were at the camp that we covered, so we can kind of maybe fill in a few more details than we did last time. Let's just go right down the list, maybe spend a couple minutes on each guy. Maurice Bell, one of the more recent commitments, a three-star wide receiver from Marietta Valley High School in California. He's rated 83rd nationally right now on the scout ratings in terms of receivers. He is, when you watch him on film, really a fluid athlete is kind of the main thing that stands yeah, out. Yeah, definitely. I, it's a, the reason that I like him so much is he's kind of a perfect balance between what we have already in LaVisca Chenault and Jalen Jackson. A guy who's not quite as fast as Jalen Jackson probably, um, maybe not quite as precise in his routes as LaVisca or not as physical, but he has the whole package. I mean, I really the thing that stands out to me on film with him is how well he moves his feet. It reminds me a little bit of Christian McCaffrey in that regard in that they are really well balanced. Uh, it makes them a lot harder to bring down because they always have their center of gravity above them, but they uh, are agile enough to avoid tacklers. So you see that a lot on his highlight tape, which is important to me. Yeah, I mean, he's a baller. You know, he's not on scout, but he's all three of the wide receiver commits right now are a four-star and one of the four major sites at least. So that's impressive, man. I mean, there aren't too many teams in the country that could say that right now, I wouldn't think. They had a pretty good receiver class last year with with Johnny Huntley and Joe Macy and Ento coming in as a JUCO guy, Mm -hmm. but this has got to be the best receiver class, If obviously if all these guys sign, that I've had since I covered the program. Can you think of anything even close? No, not at all. I mean, we've had a a guy here or there, like obviously Shea Fields, Paul Richardson are big impact guys that we've had previously, but they weren't coupled along with second and third guys who are as impactful as what we can see from this trio today. So, yeah, I mean, it's got to be pretty exciting. I mean, Cheverini again, bringing in big-time guys. Hopefully that can translate a little bit to some of the other positions as well. And obviously it helped them implementing some of the Texas Tech air raid wrinkles in in terms of recruiting to say, hey, because it's tough to get three wide receiver, highly regarded guys Mm -hmm. on the same class, but if you're running in that spread-out type of system – you can say there's going to be plenty of balls for everybody. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you, uh, Maurice Bell, who we were discussing, coming down to us in Iowa, I mean, it's got to be pretty easy to sell our offense compared to what Iowa does on the offensive yeah. side of the ball. So that is definitely a big help as well. Next up, let's talk about Chris Miller. He is listed as an athlete on scout, uh, a three-star prospect, expected to be a cover corner for Colorado. And like a lot of guys they've been bringing in recently, he's got some return skills that could potentially mm-hmm. be in the mix there as well. Uh, from Denton High School in Denton, Texas, one of the more talent-rich areas. We saw Chris on his unofficial visit up at CU. He wasn't participating in the camp. He was in street clothes. Mm-hmm. Not the biggest guy, yeah, I mean, but uh, for a corner, uh, he's definitely got the, the skills uh, the, the necessary for that position. Definitely. He's real real agile, super fast, uh, big-time athlete. Um, I mean, he's a tiny guy, yeah, but, I mean, for corner, I wouldn't have said he's that small. I think like he had some good length, which this staff – has shown that they care about. I mean, a lot of our corners these days are taller guys, a lot more uh, wingspan, that kind of stuff. So, I mean, I think especially, again, on special teams, you can have an impact for us. The staff has shown a propensity to, you know, get some guys they think can help them on special teams and kind of let the cream rise to the top on punt return and kick return duty. So he's a guy I think the fan base should be definitely excited about. Denton, Texas is a big-time program. Every single year they put out big talent. So anytime you can land a guy from there and kind of start a little bit of a pipeline, that helps too. I mentioned Charles Clark earlier. He was the the lead recruiter here, and obviously Cheverini was involved there as well. 
they have another guy there at Denton, Texas, Chris Pauley, that uh, is one of the, the Buffs' uh, top offensive line guys that's expected to decide in July. So that's definitely well, – Grant Pauley. Yeah, Grant, Grant Pauley. Yeah, I was going to uh, let it slide. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I'm sorry there, Grant. <laughs> you're, you're too good of a player for yes. me to uh, make that mistake. But uh, So keep an eye on his recruitment here. Heston Page, a uh, listed as a two-star offensive tackle recruit, in-state recruit from Thunder Ridge High School down in Highlands Ranch, Colorado. I just updated. He's put on about 15 pounds working with Matt McChesney this offseason. I just updated his profile today. Uh, he is uh, the one guy on this list that is kind of more in the project uh, you know, category. Yeah, which is more common with linemen, I guess, as well. But you know he did he did come up to Colorado and work out with Clayton Adams. That was basically what prompted them to offer. He did have some some smaller schools like uh, Northern Arizona, Northern Colorado type offers. Have you had a chance to watch Heston Page on, on tape? Not enough, and it's honestly at this point, obviously, it was disappointing he didn't come to either of the camps. Um, felt like he didn't have to. I, I would have thought that he would have benefited, obviously, with the small offers that he had to go up to some of these camps and see what people had to say about him. So it's hard to really say about the O-line guys until you see them in person. You know, I, I feel like a lot of times you get you get a lot out of the O-line talent when you see them live. And, you know, he's a guy that last year, he, he's a guy that McChesney has said that has improved a lot over the course of last year. So watching his film doesn't really tell us a whole lot, if you believe that. So it'll be interesting to watch him in the fall, see how dominant he's really become. I think that'll be a testament to what McChesney has done with him. And uh, we'll find out pretty quick whether or not he's capable of playing at this level, I think. There are some Colorado fans that are a little bit maybe anxious about the offensive line recruiting because they have taken a lot of projects there. Um, if they do get a Grant Pauley on board, maybe a Casey Roddick, then I think all of a sudden you feel a lot better about getting yeah. a guy like Heston Page because you're going to have you sign a full class of 25 this year. You want some of those guys in there. You you You're, you're okay with... We got a question in a mailbag we're going to get into later about kind of breaking down uh, what we, th- how many three-star, four-star, five-star guys we think are going to commit. You're fine with the class of 25 taking a few two-stars, but maybe a little bit more pressure now on Colorado to, to pull in some of those big names at offensive line to, to kind of round out that class around page. Next up, Tyler Lytle, of course, the, the big-time quarterback that, that Colorado got. 25 other scholarship offers. Colorado has not landed a quarterback with – anywhere near an offer list like Tyler Lytle has uh, since 2003 before, you know, we started tracking all this stuff. Yeah, he's got more Power 5 offers than I think someone said our last six quarterback. More than that. Yeah. It's 11 11 or 13 or something crazy (laughs) like that, yeah. You know, there's been no, since I mentioned 2002, there's been no quarterback commitment that's committed to Colorado that's had more than four other scholarship offers in that time. Power 5 offers or just Just in in general? general. Jesus. That is, that is something. I will say, he's got a great name. I'll say that. Yeah. No, I mean, he plays for a big-time program in California again. You look at the league that they play in, the level of talent that he has to go against every single week is really impressive. Um, so watching what he does this year will um, probably be really exciting for CU fans because he's going to put up some big numbers against some really solid competition. There are a lot of other Pac-12 programs that wanted him, programs from around the country, um, you know, Vanderbilt obviously was one of the ones that he looked at going all the way across the country to look at him. Uh, Pittsburgh as well. There's a few others out on the East Coast. So that's usually a pretty good – I think he had a Miami offer as well. Yeah. yeah. 
So those are big offers from a long ways away. So you know that people around the country take a look at Lido and think that he's something special. So to have him end up here is really big for the program. I've seen him listed at 6'4", also seen him listed at 6'5", so obviously a, a big target. Uh, he said the number one thing that college recruiters complimented him on is that he's got a quick release for his size. A lot of bigger guys sometimes take longer to get the ball up, but he doesn't. It's not that his delivery is, is perfect, but it, it's quick and he's pretty accurate. He, if you watch his highlight reel, and sometimes you have to take those a little bit with a grain of salt because they are the best plays, but he hits guys in stride. Mm -hmm. uh, he definitely seems to, to have... Uh, that gunslinger mentality a little bit back in the pocket. Not not the worst athlete, but definitely not going to be a guy that, that's going to be dynamic in terms of, you know, yeah. uh, being, a, being a runner out there. I really appreciated how he handled the recruiting process as well. I know it was frustrating for a lot of people, but to have him explain it and say that when he committed, he wanted it to be the last time that he did and that it was, a you know, was a, commitment was an honor, you know, that kind of stuff that you, you don't take the, that word lightly. Um, and then his parents, the same thing. We're just making sure that he made the best choice for him. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, and hopefully everything follows through with that because he's a big-time part of what we're going to be doing in the future. And flying all the way out to Boulder to commit. That's yeah. pretty rare, too. Yeah. He actually visited Colorado three times within the span of, I want to say, about two and a half months. So, All right, moving along. Chase Newman, a three-star Defensive prospect from La Mirada High School. They finally got one uh, from Mike Machete. <laughs> yeah, it's. <laughs> I feel like it's been so much more difficult than it should have been throughout the years. Um, they got a few other guys um, that we haven't heard a whole lot about, um, interestingly. So we'll see how the season goes. I think maybe we might be able to get a few of those guys more interested towards the end of the year like we did last year with uh, the DN. What was his name again? The guy that we brought in at the very end of the year. Uh, Keanu Saliapaga. Yeah, yeah, Keanu Saliapaga, thank you. Um, I'm hoping that we have a good season or a lot get some of those guys to come visit us late as well because obviously we have a dude in our corner in Machete. So, But anyways, Newman uh, is a baller, kind of a tweener, safety slash rover, linebacker, prospect, um, moves really well, great fit for the Pac-12, good offer list again. Uh, I think he's probably a little bit underrated on Rivals right now. Most of the other sites have him higher, Scout has him higher. So it'll be interesting to see how his recruiting process takes fold throughout the year because I think he's, um, he's a guy that we might see some Pac-12 teams kind of chase after towards the end of the season. He's one of those guys you watch on film and you go, gosh, I think if he was 230 right now, yeah. everyone's offered, offering mm -hmm. that kid because he, he, he makes the plays that the yeah. blue chip type guys do. But again, to your point, you know, in the Pac-12 it's not necessary to be 240 pounds anymore, yeah. um, so he'll put on some weight. Uh, still kind of yet to be determined exactly what his role will be. If he doesn't put on weight, he can even put him as like a big nickel, a guy that's really good close to the line of scrimmage. Uh, and what's funny, too, going back to the Law Murata stuff, even before Keanu Saliapaga, the previous recruiting cycle, Tony Brown, a receiver right, from La Murata, yeah, yeah. is torn between Colorado and Texas Tech. And, of course, Darren Cheverini <laughs> is the one that recruits him to Lubbock, Texas. And yeah. Probably, if he could go back and change that, he'd we probably... We like Cheverini a lot more now than we did after that, <laughs> I recall. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you can't fault the guy. I mean, it's uh, but that I think that was actually kind of like when Darren Chevrini got announced at Colorado, people remembered the fact that he recruited this kid to mm -hmm. Lubbock over Boulder. They're like, well, this guy can recruit, that's for sure. Yeah. So next guy on the list, Alex Fontenot. I mentioned him briefly earlier, a running back from George Ranch High School in Richmond, Texas, 5'11", 181. He's a guy that uh, is pretty versatile as a running back. It's not like some guys is a, sc a scat back or a power back. 
you don't really put Alex Fontenot into one of those categories. He's got kind of like almost wiry strength. He's a strong guy, but doesn't have like a ton of bulk on his frame. Yeah, I would say he's kind of got um, deceptive speed as well and that he kind of runs with a long stride. Um, doesn't really seem like he's moving that quickly, and then all of a sudden he's blowing five people around the corner in his highlights. And obviously he plays in a big-time league in Texas, like pretty much everybody in our commitments does right now. There's a lot of, a lot of big-name schools on the commit list right now. Yeah, it's kind of interesting – you don't know a whole lot about him beforehand, but you, you look at what people have to say about him in the state of Texas, and a lot of people think he's really underrated, considered to be one of the um, best running backs in Texas, which you you got to trust those guys in Texas who see the, see the guys play all the time. Um, so that makes me feel good about what we have in him because there's a lot of people down there um, that were really high on what he can do. Next guy, he's the highest-ranked guy in this recruiting class on scout. He's ranked uh, among the top 230 guys nationally. LaVisca Chenault Jr., wide receiver from DeSoto High School in Texas. I was listening to your freeballing podcast, uh, one of your first ones that you guys put together, and mm-hmm. you guys were talking about LaVisca, and John, one of your, your co-hosts, made, the, I thought, the best comparison yeah. to Larry Fitzgerald. Yeah, he looks perfect. like him on, on yeah. film. Yeah, yeah a, he looks like him on film. He looks like him in real life. Like, yeah. he, he looks like him. Um, yeah, he um, when he said it, actually, I had I had not thought of that. Some people have been saying Anquan Bolden, which they're similar type players, but the Larry Fitzgerald one is perfect scenario. Obviously, I'm not sure if he's going to end up being a top-five pick. That's probably unrealistic expectations. But he has a very similar game. He's very smooth, uses his physical tools extremely well to catch the ball. Now, he's not going to separate from you in, in, in a way that makes you say, wow, but he just always seems to be open enough to catch the ball. Um, and then across the middle, he's going to make some safeties regret hitting him. <laughs> That's how I feel about him. He's a, he's a big boy. Um, who's not afraid at all. I really love him. Watching his film gives me the biggest smile. I think is going to be a beast. He could help Colorado out this fall if he was on campus right now. He's, oh, he's, yeah. he's a man. Yeah. And I don't know if I've seen a high school player at, at the receiver position that, that's a better blocker than LaVisca mm-hmm. Chenault. Very one of the more versatile highlight reels that you can put together as a as a prep receiver. And he follows along the rule of if you've got a really dope name, you're guaranteed to be good. His name is one of the best I've ever seen. So, obviously, uh, we love LaVisca Chenault, uh, big time get. <laughs> Jalen Jackson, also a four-star wide receiver from Cedar Hill High School in Texas, unfortunately suffered a, a torn ACL again on the same knee that, that he injured that, that made him miss his junior season. They didn't do the proper procedure on his knee after the first. I know there's a lot of people that are, are extremely concerned. They hear two torn ACLs. I guess there's two ways to repair the ACL. One of them it creates it very susceptible for, to re-tear, and that's what they did the first time. This time around, they're doing it the right way. They should have done it the first time, honestly. Um, I don't know whose surgeon is, but hopefully... Yeah, I don't know. Why, why would you choose to do the one that's susceptible for re-tear? I think you can recover from it quicker. Oh, okay. Well, and uh, he certainly did. He came back in track, and I know yeah. it was wind-aided, but he still ran a 10 5 500. I mean, you know, he's fast. He's you know, fast. I don't care about the tents. <laughs> he, can, he can move. <laughs> So, what are, your, what are your thoughts aside from speed here? Um, he, on the one hand, I think we're in good shape with him, obviously, because he's hurt. So, there's not going to be a lot of big-time programs coming after him um, next year, which is probably good for us. At the same time, you feel terrible for the kid, obviously. He's Blazer, uh, something that you need in your program all the time. Um, Cedar Hill, another time, uh, we've talked about this on every kid, pretty much. Huge football factory. they got a couple other four-stars on their team. Um so, 
yeah, I mean, he's he's a kid that you don't really quite know what you're getting because the two ACL tears um, is, you know, it is a little bit scary for sure. I understand that. But if he comes back healthy, he's going to be a beast for us. And obviously, uh, the next two guys we're going to talk about kind of got the recruiting momentum started with this cycle. But Jalen Jackson was the first out-of-state guy, the first mm-hmm. blue chipper in this class that really kind of got some of the momentum rolling for those those kids out in Texas. Dante Sparacco, we talked about him on, on our previous podcast, uh, three-star. He's listed as a tight end on scout, but it's still yet to be determined if he's going to be a tight end or a defense alignment at Colorado. He's, uh, he's a big boy, and uh, we saw him working with Gary Bernardi at uh, CU's Under the Lights camp. Yeah, there's only two tight ends, so he got a lot of one-on-one, which was nice. He's obviously still, still learning the position. I think a lot of people already forgot that he's, he was a big-time prep quarterback for most of his career, so he's still... Learning how to play these other positions, um, he's going to IMG, which came out of nowhere. Um, even the people that we know in Cherry Creek were surprised by that one. So, um, yeah, well, it'll be interesting to see how that works out. He's been—we've had a couple commits since he's made that announcement, and he's been tweeting at them and getting excited. Even even Olver, who's a, a fellow tight end as well, we might thought maybe would cause some pause for him because that's what I think we're we're going to try to get him at tight end. We'll see, um, but. You know, still tweeting at him, talking good things about Colorado. So I think the fan base should probably ease off being worried about what's going to happen if he goes to IMG. Well, there's really no there's really no point in worrying about it. But yeah, uh, you know, at the end of the day, there could be a benefit in terms of him having those world class facilities. He is expected yeah. to be an early enrollee. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, he's going to have easier access to the SEC and big time offers as well. But yeah, he will have more exposure. So I mean, I'm not I'm yeah. not telling Colorado fans they can't at least. Uh, yeah, you know, no, follow I, that, and, and you know, but I mean, there's legitimately no reason to just stay up at night worrying about yeah, it. Yeah, right? I, I understand why people are a little concerned, but it also could work out really positively for us. There's obviously a lot of talent at IMG. He's proven to be a good recruiter so far. Um, you know, assuming everything goes well, he could be pushing a few of those Florida boys over to us as well. So we'll see how it goes. I mean, I think right now it's a little too early to get too many ideas about what it means. His uh, former, now former teammate there at Cherry Creek, Jonathan Van Deest. Who is, John, is Jonathan the first guy in this class to get a nickname? Van Deest? Yeah. Yeah, I think so, right? Do we have another one? That's why I'm asking that's you. I don't think so. Van Beast. I mean, he that's what he is, though. It's the easiest nickname of all time. We didn't get to watch him a whole lot at the Under the Lights camp, but we already know what we've gotten, John. Yeah, um, he's... Not to say he's like bad in the camps any, but he's the guy you want to see yeah. with shoulder pads oh, and a yeah. helmet on because yeah, he's got sure. football speed. Yeah, because you see him, you see him uh, without pads. He's small. I mean, he's a small guy. He's especially as a pass rusher now, um, short at least. Um, but he's going to probably end up being that inside linebacker for us, and he'll fit into that role perfectly. I mean, he's a bullet man. He's a bullet train. Even dude, the, he's he's going to be fun to watch. People are going to love him at Colorado. Uh, his family's great. I mean, you know. We, there, he's he's just such a nice kid, man. He's one of my favorite kids in the class, so I'm excited to have him here. There's just certain guys that are natural football players yeah. that I'm not saying that it's a guarantee that he's going to be an all-conference guy or anything, but there's just something about Jonathan Van Deese that guarantees me he's at least going to be solid. There's yeah. no bust potential at all here. Yeah, and, and you know he's going to work hard. I mean, so at, at the very worst, you get a guy who helps your depth, special on solid, uh, special teams, and then I mean, junior, senior year, he ends up starting, and he's a guy that you know is going to make sure that everybody's working hard in practice. Those are the kids you want to, you love on your team. Jalen Burrell, a defensive back from War Park College, 6'2", 192, not yet rated. This is one of the more interesting guys that Colorado has on their commitment list. Um, he did have 
some other offers and, and including some power conference opportunities. What's interesting about Jalen Burrell is that he was always an offensive guy, and then midway through his sophomore season at Moore Park College, they move him to cornerback, and he just is lights out, only gives up six receptions uh, through the final five games of his sophomore season, which prompted these schools to offer him a scholarship. Versatile guy, he's got the size to play anywhere in the, in yeah. the secondary. The biggest thing with him is just lack of experience, mm-hmm. but that didn't that didn't hurt him at Moore Park College. Obviously, though, talking about the Pac-12 level, he's going to have to uh, maybe go through a few growing pains. Yeah, definitely. But uh, another guy that, like you already mentioned, this can play a lot of different positions for you. I think that's how defenses become special when you can put a lot of guys in a whole different spot on the field that no one's ever seen before and have them be successful. We have a lot of guys in the last two classes that I think are that fit that mold. We're going to be able to do a lot of things, and Jim Levitt's a brilliant mind. I mean, he's going to find a way to get these guys in the right position. So Burrell's just another guy that I think will end up being a junior college guy that we didn't really think that highly of maybe at the beginning and ends up being a big-time player for us. He's expected to redshirt there at Moore Park College and then transfer to Colorado in January. He would have two to play two, uh, so two years of eligibility left. Sebastian Olver. Uh, is the last guy we're going to talk about here listed as you could list him as a tight end or as an athlete? I personally think he's going to end up down the road on the defensive line. Just watching some of those clips on his yeah. highlight reel, six four, two forty five from Marin Catholic High School in Kentfield, California. But really, from from Australia, he just moved to the United States a year ago. He is without question my favorite re- commitment <laughs> to talk to, and he's so honest. He, he'll he'll drop a few f bombs in there because he's just he's just a genuine guy. <laughs> I respect that. You know, I'm not. You know, I'm not above that. So, uh, yeah, I mean, he's physical, man. That's what you see on film. He's physical. He plays football for all the right reasons. <laughs> he's trying to. He's trying to run into people as hard as he can yeah. every single day of his life. Those are the dudes you want on your defensive line. Um, I agree with you. Uh, tight end. He he's a big dude, special athlete. But I think defensive line, he could really make a lot of linemen hate their lives. So um, he's unrated on, on, on rivals. Uh, he's rated as a three-star on scout now. Um, we'll see how the season goes because, I mean, he's got uh, 12 offers, I think, right now. Um, and he's played one season of football and didn't perform in all that many camps. So I, I have a feeling that there's going to be some Pac-12 schools going after him hard in the fall. Took a couple trips out to Colorado, took one with his dad. Uh, you could just – you mentioned you think some Pac-12 schools are going to come after him, but uh, this is one of those guys I wouldn't really worry about. I think oh, he really fell in no, love it's with not, It's not a worry thing as much as I think people are like, oh, he's under the radar. <laughs> I don't think he's going to be under the radar by the time the season ends. A few CU fans might remember Dakota Poole, who was <laughs> the guy that had the rugby background. Different and, scenario. <laughs> different scenario. You even look at Dakota Poole. He came from Canada in terms of his very limited football experience, and he wasn't even that good for his Canadian football team in, in high school before he came to Colorado. That was definitely a head-scratcher. So I wouldn't necessarily hold Dakota Poole's failures against Sebastian Olver here. Yeah. He already looks like his film is just world's better than anything we saw from Dakota Poole. He's Poole. a giant. Yeah. He's a giant man. So name the commit you're highest on, Tyler, and I think I know who you're going to say. Yeah, LaVisca Chenault yeah. is the commit that I'm the highest on. It's part swag, part baller. All the, he's just the kind of guy that I love. Um, you look back at who I've loved in the history of football, and he pretty much fits the mold perfectly. Yeah, I, th- I think he's going to be a big-time guy. It's kind of interesting, he though. He's, he's like the one guy on Twitter that he's not 
he doesn't do a whole lot on Twitter, so he's <laughs> from a personality level, he's a little bit different than a lot of the class. But um, he's the one that's most important to me. Most under, uh, I'm sorry to cut you off. Continue. No, that, that, that was basically all I was okay. going to say. So. Well, I was going to ask you, most underrated commit. Ooh, underrated. Probably, well, um, I guess I would probably have to say, man, there's, there's three that are going back and forth in my head right now. Um, Lytle seems like he's pretty underrated to me on a national level, but I think my answer right now is probably going to be Chase Newman. Okay. Yeah. I would say Maurice Bell from the st- – you mentioned, I think – is he a four-star somewhere? On ESPN. On ESPN, okay. He's an 80, so he's right on the cusp. Um, on Rivals, he's obviously right on the cusp. He was a 5.7. I think okay. on Scout, he's a little bit lower. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, he's 83 on Scout, yeah. and Jalen Brown's 46. I don't think – there's too much of a difference between those two guys. I think uh, Maurice – if you're going to rank Jalen Brown at 46, I think you got to move Jalen Jackson, Maurice. man. You get what did I say? <laughs> Jalen Brown. Celtics fan over here is getting too hyped about Jalen Brown. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't even get me started on Celtics right now. Just praying that free agency pays off for us. But, uh, no, I think, Bell, if you're going to rank Jalen Jackson at number 46, I think you got to rank Maurice Bell closer to that. Too. I would buy that as well. All right, well, this is time for us to kind of reach out to our fans on Twitter. You have questions and we have answers. Well, at least these guys think they do. It's time to dive into the Buff Stampede Radio Mailbag, which is presented by the Blake Street Tavern. Located one block north of Coors Field, the Blake Street Tavern has been Denver's premier sports bar since its opening in 2003. The Blake Street Tavern, where the game is always on, the drinks are always full, and the fun never stops. At Bama Winnie asked, and Bama Winnie is going to, uh, he's going to be on our board. We're going to go, instead of having, like every time we have an update on a recruit, having a new thread, we're going to try to, throughout the the recruiting cycle, have one thread for every recruit. And uh, my buddy Bryce, Bama Winnie, he's going to help us kind of sift through some of the Twitter stuff and, and kind of keep those threads updated. I think it's a little easier to follow when it's just one thread and you can kind of even read back to some of the previous updates. Yeah. Rather than I'll have all these disjointed updates, you know, coming on the board. But anyways, he wanted to know how many five stars, four stars, and three stars the Buffs will have with their 2017 class. He also asked another question, but let's answer this first one here. So it's going to be a class of 25? Yeah, assume. Yeah. I said zero five stars. Mm And for people that don't know this, there's only like 25 to 30 in the entire country every year. Getting a five star is extremely rare, especially when Ohio State and Alabama get 10 of them every single year. So, yeah. So I said zero five stars, five four stars, 15 three stars, and five two stars. Damn. That would be awesome (laughs) if that happened. Um, Obviously, I guess we're talking... We're talking about specifically to scout rather than because you you want to because right now we have five guys who are four star on one site. No, no, yeah, I'm just talking yeah. like scout. Yeah, okay. Right so now they have, have two. Actually, we're talking consensus, more or less. Do we? How many consensus four stars? No, we're just talking scout. Well, I know, but come on, be a co- be a company man, Tyler. This, I am, but I'm just trying to see, you know you know where I'm going with this. <laughs> yeah, no, you're good. Um, I would have said four four stars. 17 three-stars, and four two-stars. Okay. So pretty close, right? Yeah, pretty you close. Were, you were 5, 16, and 5. Is that right? Yep. Yeah. I mean, either one would be 
a tremendous result. Sure. And he also uh, asked, can a recruit star rating change over the course of their senior season? Yeah. Yeah, that happens, and it's always the uh, source of controversy. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, according to Buffs fans worldwide, we never have gotten anyone bumped up. Which is not true. It's not even close to true. In fact, it's like patently false. I would bet 75% of the star changes throughout our lives on uh, on recruiting websites would have us getting bumped up rather than down. But those aren't the ones you pay attention to, right. of course. I, don't, <laughs> I, know. I, I give Colorado, Colorado fans a little bit of a pass because with uh, Jalen Jackson getting dropped down on Rivals, it's like, or, I'm sorry, oh, LaVisca so Chenault. Yeah, LaVisca is a big It was guy. like, why? You know, th- <laughs> there's always kind of that question, which is funny because I, th- I think LaVisca Chenault went to a, I know he went to a Rivals camp because they put together a video feature when he committed, and there were some really good clips of him <laughs> yeah. in that camp. So yeah. I don't know what happened at the rest of that camp, but uh, yeah, I mean, obviously we're, we're, sh- we're showing the LaVisca Chenault love during this podcast, so obviously you think <laughs> yeah. that was a bad move there, but. Yeah, guys can get moved. Uh, obviously, uh, senior season performance can play into that stuff. Mm-hmm. And they they do all the all-star games in January where you have the top guys going head-to-head with each other in practice, in games. Yeah. That is, You'll see a lot of the movement with the really top blue-chip guys yeah. in, in late December, early January and I would when those e- games are going I on. I would expect the star ratings um, on Scout probably you won't see as much change, but they obviously, um, because they don't have – as tight of a ranking system, you know, they just have the one, two, three, four, five stars. Instead of the RR system. Exactly. So there's a little more of a breakdown between the three stars on, on rivals previously. So that would take some getting used to. But, yeah, I mean, I would say on average in the past, maybe four or five guys have gotten a bump up or bump down per cycle. Yeah. At Aaron Lot 303 asked, will re- recruiting keep this momentum with the entire 2017 class? Uh, yeah, I, I mean – I think so. If the wins come, that's yeah. that's that's something that we were remiss for coming going this far into a podcast and not mentioning that. Hey, you've got to show some progress on field this fall. Yeah, I think that's true to some degree, but I also think that what we've seen from all the recruits that have signed so far is that they understand where they are in terms of a rebuilding cycle. They know that they are being looked at as the class that's really going to turn things around for CU. So I, I honestly don't think that. Um, outside of being a total disaster, I don't think that this season will have a huge impact on what a lot of the commits we have right now do. I, I really honestly feel that way. Um, they've all talked about in their interviews, you know, they, they know where the program is, that they're expecting things to go up from here. And barring a disaster, I, I really don't see a whole lot of fluctuation in the commit list this year. Got to beat CSU. Well, yeah, I mean, that's a good start. But then we'll see how the whole season plays out. Like, I don't think if we lose to CSU, nine guys are decommitting. No. But it would be bad. I mean, it's not. I'm. You know that. That's how I feel. Like, we don't, we don't need to talk about how I'm going to feel if CSU beats us. But, um, yeah, I mean, I just, I, I think long term, assuming even if we go like five and seven or somewhere in that range, I, I, I feel like for the most part the recruiting class will stay intact. He also wanted to. He also asked, "Are there going to be any surprise starters come the Rocky Mountain Showdown?" Uh, I thought of a few that would maybe qualify as surprise starters: Patrick Hart, running back; Jonathan Huckins at center; and Sam Cronsage at right tackle. Mm-hmm. Now, all three of those guys are listed as co-starters right now, so it's not exactly a huge surprise. But I think, would you categorize those as small surprises if any of those happen? Yeah, definitely. I would say. Um... I guess most of the fan base would be surprised if Addison Gillum doesn't start. 
Okay. You know, so if we have to go back to last Rick year's Gamboa. Line, yeah, exactly. Rick Gamboa. I think people would be surprised by that, but it's a definite possibility. I mean, we've seen injury issues pop up with Addison for years now. Um, in the secondary, we've seen kind of an interesting depth chart in terms of who's going to be playing nickel. I would still be shocked if Cheeto's not playing nickel, but we'll see how that plays out. I mean, it'll depend a lot on how Akella Weatherspoon plays in fall camp. If he's ready to go, I think they'll get all three of those guys in their more natural positions. But if not, we may see some interesting nickels. Um, outside of that, I don't think there'll be anything too surprising. Um, and the last question is how is CSU compared to last year? And uh, they're projected to be worse. Uh, finished fourth in their division in uh, Mountain West polls. Um, I don't know if they're that bad. I guess we'll see, but I mean we're double-digit favorites to win the game, which also seems pretty crazy. Um, but they're definitely supposed to be worse than they were last year. Don't hate me for this, but I do have a couple CSU friends and friends that you know went to CSU, and they're very pessimistic about this year, and they're not even you know puffing their chest out about the CU game this year. Good. You're gonna have the delusional CSU fan. That's yeah. I mean, I have a few of those friends, a few of the delusional ones that. Start getting chirpy on Twitter occasionally because they haven't been loud enough for two weeks. Yeah, but uh, they're they're gonna yeah. be they're gonna be Mountain West decent this year. I think is the way. To put it. <laughs> I don't really know what that means. Like Mountain West, like it, mean, it means it means you're, it means you're gonna go six and six. You're not gonna really beat anybody good, and you'll back into a bowl. Yeah, game. I mean, because I feel like the best team in the Mountain West is decent. Like the six depends best, on the year. Lately, the sixth best team in the Mountain West is like. You should count your lucky stars. You play in the Mountain West because that's why you made a bowl. Well, we get, we're <laughs> going to have plenty of time to talk about CSU in the future. So <laughs> we actually got to talk about it a little bit more when we get into our Rick George roundtable stuff okay. here. So let's move along. Kirk P. Schmidt asked, "Does CU change their focus to big men now that they seem to be set at receiver and quarterback?" I, I think there's a misnomer that they weren't trying to recruit big men until now. Uh, obviously, they've had some some highly recruited offense alignment in uh, but I do get I do get the question and, and hey now it's time for the big bodies to join this commit list and that's definitely the truth um, I mentioned Grant Pauly and Casey Roddick earlier uh, those guys are going to announce pretty soon um, and both of those guys are really high on Colorado Elijah Vera, Vera Tucker a four-star offense alignment visited Colorado and everything I heard was it totally exceeded his expectations but he took some other trips and no one can really get them on the phone, so I don't know what to think yeah. there. Sometimes when I'm not hearing positive things, usually doesn't yeah, end doesn't, up in a commitment. Yeah, it doesn't bode well usually. I agree. Um, yeah, I think the one, the thing with linemen is that a lot of the good ones take longer to decide. Like quarterbacks generally go first, so people forget that. Wide receivers, for the most part, go pretty early as well. They get comfortable in an offense. Um and they're, those are the guys that shine in all the skills camps. So they get their offers earlier. Some of the linemen, you don't see them really blow up until their senior season. I mean, we see guys all the time, every single class. We're looking at a kid who's a two-star who has no offers, and everyone's like, well, uh, he's no good. And then he ends up signing with Texas. Every single year, there's a kid yeah. like that. So the linemen take a little bit longer, so be patient with that. I understand people's frustrations, but you're really looking into years past. You, I mean... Look at what we've done with this recruiting class. You can't tell me that this we're going to have the same flaws. So just be patient. We'll see what happens. Um, as you mentioned, if we're able to land even one of Casey Roddick or Grant Pauly, that would be huge for us. This year is a little bit strange, too, in that there's really only one great offensive line recruit in Colorado. Usually there's more. That's what um, Colorado's 
known for, and obviously he's committed to Ohio State, so <laughs> we're not going to win that battle. Uh, Heston Page obviously is a guy who's under the radar. We'll see how he pans out, but usually there's three or four power offensive linemen in a class at CU, or at, in Colorado, I mean. Um, we don't have that luxury this year, so we're going to have to find some mine some other states to get these guys. We'll see how it plays out. I think in the end we'll, we'll be happy with what we end up with. Ryan Nelson, a three-star offensive tackle from Buena Park, California, and William Sherman, a three-star offensive guard from Allen, Texas, are a couple other guys that are, are strongly considering Colorado. One guy to keep an eye on is Chris Martinez. Did you get a chance? I put up a thread of, on him uh, recently. Did you get a chance to watch his film? Yeah, he he's, is, he's athletic, man. Yeah, he's got yeah. really quick feet. He's kind of out in the middle of nowhere in California. He did camp at Colorado in June, and I know he's a guy that – He's, I know he's verbally committed in Nevada right now, but, I mean, if Colorado offers, you would think he would maybe reconsider that? Yeah, I mean, I think he's a guy that they'll be patient with right now because I think they feel good about their chances should they come in on him later. Obviously, he went to Nevada because he's comfortable. It's an area school for him, um, and he wanted to lock up a spot, which is totally fine, but it'll be interesting to see if he is one of those kids that we see garner a lot of interest as the season goes on as um, other linemen from schools go, you know, to, <coughs> to various programs, and some of these guys go to their second-tier offensive line. I, I think he'll probably blow up a little bit. it would be interesting to follow him. On the defensive line, Greg Rogers, a blue chipper from Las Vegas, has uh, expressed very strong interest in the buffs. He's going to take all five visits, though, before deciding. Damian Daniels from Dallas, Noah Ellis from Valor Christian, Ray Lima from El Camino Community College, or a couple other defensive linemen there to, to keep an eye on. And then you also got to keep in mind the fact that Dante Sparacco and Sebastian Olver could, could end up playing on the defensive line in college. Mm-hmm. Next question, at 6635BAM asked, who's next? Where do we stand with Noah Ellis and Greg Rogers? Who's next? Uh, do you have a, a, a guess there? Um I mean, there's a few guys. Obviously, we talked about Roddick and Polly are supposed to be July commitments. Uh, Isaiah Lewis is a kid that I think we he might be next. Yeah, yeah, we we've talked about a little bit back and forth as somebody who could be popping here pretty quickly. Um, beyond that, it's tough to really say. I mean, we kind of thought we were going to have a little bit of a break after the last one, and then over committed four hours later. So <laughs> we'll see. Maybe we'll have that kind of. Situation again, um, and we are you. T- you asked about the Noah Ellis and Greg Rogers thing too, right? Already. Well, yeah, um, Noah, Ellis, Noah Ellis. I mean, no one really knows what's yeah, going on there. Yeah, I mean, I think people were surprised that he even acknowledged the class on Twitter last week. I know I texted you and I was like, "Come on, man! Like, why couldn't you just let me have no hope on this one?" <laughs> so he would if he committed. Huge. Yeah, he'd be, he would be per- the most perfect. important, most important kid in the class yeah. to me. Yeah. Um. Greg Rogers, I would say we're in a better position with right now, um, but we have big-time suitors that we have to beat out for him. We'll see how that goes. Um, he seems to like us quite a bit. A few of the guys in Vegas do, um, but I think that we're still having an uphill battle for him as well. At Vince Belukak, what percentage would you guys put on Tyler Lytle starting as a true freshman next year, or is he for sure a redshirt? He's not for sure a redshirt. That's... Because they, they will let him compete without question. Uh, Percentage-wise, I was kind of torn between 30 and 35%, and I say that because... Damn, really? You think that's high? Yeah, oh yeah. I think that's really high. Well, there's probably CU fans that put it even higher because they their only impression of Steven Montez is the spring game, which 
is is such a small sample size. You got to kind of flush some of that out of your memory because Steven Montez has all the physical tools. He's a good kid. He's a hard worker. He's got a really bright future. If if it's this thirty or thirty five percent ends up being kind of what it is, that's a good thing because that means that Tyler Lytle is is legit when he comes on campus. Yeah, I mean there is that side of the argument for sure. Um, I was going to say ten percent, and even I thought that I was going to be high, honestly. Um, I really like Montez. That's not going to change. Uh, we try to avoid starting true freshmen as much as possible, I feel like, at quarterback. Um, especially next year, 2017, the schedule is pretty easy. We avoid Oregon and Stanford. The non-conference portion of the schedule is very easy as well. There's an opportunity for this program to win seven or eight games. Um, so I would think they'd go with somebody with a little more experience, unless he really just proves to be by far the best guy. I mean, that, that, there's certainly that possibility, but I would be surprised. Very surprised if he started as a true freshman. At GH6236 asked, is Isaac Miller healthy after injuring his knee in the spring game? Predictions for the offensive line. Yeah, that wasn't a major injury that Isaac Miller suffered. Uh, they pretty much figured that out right afterwards. In terms of the O-line, I'm going to go left tackle Jeremy Irwin, left guard Jared Coe, center Alex Kelly in a really tight race with Huckins during camp, right guard Tim Lanat. And right tackle, Sam Cronsage. Where am I wrong? Uh, actually, those are the five that I was going to say right now because it seems like Shane Callahan has kind of moved his way out of the rotation a little bit. Um, but we'll see. I think I do think they're going to keep on out at guard this year. Um, if they can avoid it. Um, you're higher on Huckins than me. I don't think he'll really <laughs> have that much impact at center. But we'll see how that plays out. I like that dude's handle, though, throwing the 62-36 in there. There you go. I like that. And uh, you can hear more of our analysis on this stuff because uh, we are releasing our Top 40 Buffs countdown. We got a video, and there were seven offensive linemen on that list, so mm -hmm. we talked about each of those guys. At Vince Blukak asked another question here. Does this high quality of recruiting class guarantee Coach Mack's job is safe no matter how many wins they get? Obviously, no, because if they win one game, not saying that's going to happen, but theoretically, I mean. Right, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not, you can't You can't do nothing. Um, I think it helps quite a bit. I think it should help more than it probably will, but I'm usually a little more patient with the rebuild process than I think a lot of people are these days. Athletic departments and, you know, professional teams, all that stuff are getting rid of coaches every two years. It drives me nuts. I can't stand it. I think Mac deserves more time. I think he's proven that he's gotten the, the program in a positive direction every single year. Um, the schedule this year doesn't allow for a whole lot of optimism in terms of wins, in my opinion, especially with the road schedule that we have. Obviously, the home schedule is a little friendlier, so that helps. But if we go 4-8 and eight or 5-7, and seven, in my opinion, personally, he should be back next year. Um, but I don't think he will be back, if that makes sense. If it was up to me, well, I think 5-7 and seven with this recruiting. You would? I would, yeah. Okay, cool. Well, I mean, I hope that's true. It's not my call, obviously. Yeah, right, yeah, my, or mine. I hope that's true, but from what we've heard, they're expecting to make a bowl game this year, and if not, there's going to be problems. Yeah, but, actually, uh, that, that that leads me into this next question, Tyler, and you can continue uh, when I read this real quick. At Aaron Lott 303 uh, talked about how, how do you feel about the expectations Rick George set for this football year during his roundtable? Time to expect multi-pack 12 wins. And I'm going to read this quote from Rick George and then Tyler, you can kind of continue on with, with your point there. Rick George said this uh, 
at his roundtable here recently. This is going to be a good year for them. Our goal is always to win more than we lose. That's our expectation, that we'll win six or seven games or more and get back into a bowl game. That's what we expect. It's been 10 years since we've had a winning football season. We've got a history and tradition that's one of the top 25 to 30 in the country, and we need to get back to that level. I think every year we continue to get better, but now it needs to translate into wins. Yeah, I mean, and I think we all feel the same way. But when it comes down to it, are you going to get rid of McIntyre for four and eight or five and seven with the schedule that we have this year? If it was up to me, like I said, with with what we've got going on, with the, his ability to find quality assistance in the last two classes as well, I would say no. I, I think he deserves to be back. We all knew what he was getting into when he came here. This is not going to be an easy challenge. Um, obviously, we we want the wins to come. Everybody does. But I, I hope that everybody is patient enough to realize just how difficult this process has been and what you could lose by firing McIntyre. And, I mean, maybe we keep Chevrolet, maybe we keep Levitt, but maybe we don't as well. I mean, and the, I think that would crush the fan base. It would crush the recruiting class. Uh, a lot of these kids who have faith in that staff, um, I think it would be a mistake. I mean, you're basically going back to ground zero. As, as soon as you started building the foundation, you know, we finally seen the foundation creep up above the ground, and now you're just going to tear it all down again. I, I don't think that's the right approach, but we'll see how it plays out. I mean, I understand that, you know, you want to set those expectations and say those things because it's important to make sure that the, you know, the staff knows that there are expectations in them being successful. You don't want to just say, ah, we suck and we always have. It's fine. That's not what I'm trying to say. But I think there has to be that middle ground of we're clearly building momentum at this point with this recruiting class and with what we're doing in terms of depth. Um, I, I hope that plays into Rick George's decision. Last year, there were a couple of five and seven teams that made a bowl. Nebraska, one of them. You're a fan correspondent. Would you feel dirty if no, Colorado goes five and seven? Absolutely not. You'd be, you'd be hyped about it? Yeah, of course. I'll take whatever I can get. Yeah, I mean, no, I, especially at this point. I mean, if it's one thing if you're Nebraska and it's like you make a bowl every year, you know, that's just kind of cheesy. But for us, I mean, it's an important step. I mean, people will make fun of us and say, oh, we don't deserve it, which is fine and understandable, but it's, it's just another step that we've gotten to. You know, it's not our fault that no one else around the country was capable of winning enough games. You know what I mean? Uh, especially and, and especially in our league. I mean, the Pac-12 is extremely deep. Much harder to win six games in the Pac-12 than it is in most of the other conferences around the country. So, And you get the 15 bowl practices, which this right. program has... Big time. It's, yeah. it's not had the benefit of those for a very long time. Vince Beluca asked, Did Rick George take bids for the apparel deal, or was it only Nike who made the offer? Are you guys happy with the deal? Now, I know when I was at the roundtable and Rick George mentioned... The 10-year deal with Nike, which is re- retroactive to last summer for $30 million. You had a very lukewarm response, Tyler, on Twitter. But if you look around the, and compare them to other deals, I think I think part of the problem is that deal that Under Armour did with, with UCLA, which is ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, I'm actually looking at all the numbers that people have been coming out with since then. I feel it's still, I think, we, we could have gotten a bigger number, especially since we're locked into it for 10 more years. But it's a bigger number than I thought in comparison to the rest of the Pac-12. I think it's like the fourth or fifth highest annual dollar amount per year right now in the Pac-12, which is crazy to me. Yeah, I think the UCLA kind of skewed my perspective on what people are going to be getting paid. 
Under Armour's just stupid for, for that. Yeah, <laughs> that's a crazy number. I think 40 million or 50 million people would have been really happy um, with that. Uh, still, you know, it's a it's a good amount. I think people really want to stay with Nike, so that's an important yeah. piece of it for me as well. Um, you know, it's not a disgrace or anything. It, you just would have thought that maybe Nike would have given us a little bit more of a bone, but it's it's a you know it's a solid number. There's nothing to scoff at. Well, he wanted to know if Rick George took bids from other apparel companies, and I got the impression that there wasn't really yeah. that was not involved because they were happy with Nike yeah. and. And uh, my sister actually works for Nike and uh, up at the Beaverton campus there. I'm a big Nike guy myself. Their product is just better than Under Armour. I don't care what anybody says. It's just a yeah. better product. No, it definitely is. I mean, it's that's the one that I hold closest to my heart. I mean, I literally don't own any pair of Adidas for a reason. Um, so I mean, Nike's always been the one that I've loved my whole life. That probably won't change. I, I would I would have been, even if we had gotten some crazy number from Under Armour or Adidas or wherever it would be, like, I would have been looking at the apparel on game day, and I would have been like, this sucks, dude. Yeah. Not worth it. I know that I would have. If you were Rick George and <laughs> Reebok came to you oh, Jesus. <laughs> and offered you 200 million. Does Reebok million? even still exist? I think so. If, the, if Reebok offered you $200 million for a 10-year oh, deal, God. would you have taken it? I mean, you have to, I guess, probably, <laughs> right? Yeah, you probably have to, but that's not great. Although, Reebok was dope in the 90s. <laughs> I'm not even joking. I had some sweet Reebok shoes back in the day when I was growing up. I don't know what happened to Reebok, but they need to, they're still around, I think. They but... need to they need to get some like big time marketing guy to bring them back because I feel like everything else in the '90s is coming back lately. You know what I mean? Like I feel like Reebok could have capitalized on that somehow, but they haven't really. Because where's wasn't the the Shaq ones with the circles? Those are Reeboks, I think right? So. Yeah, dude, those things were dope. Come on, Reebok. I'm not get it back together, baby. The kids like Under Armour. I don't like it. I bought one sh Under Armour shirt and the thing like fell apart like in two months. I've got a few from you know like the see the whatever they call that kind of stuff. The Under Armour came out with all the dry fit. Yeah, is what I'm thinking of. So I like a lot of the dry fit stuff. They actually were the first to come up with that. So right. You gotta yeah. give them credit for that. Yeah. Exactly. So all that I'm down with. Um, but yeah, I don't think I own any Under Under Armour branded stuff. I really don't think I do. Do they still have that, we must protect this house? I don't think thing? so. I think they're big enough now that they don't need to have the stupid slogan anymore. Yeah. Steph Curry's shoes drew a lot of controversy. Yeah, those are the most perfect Steph Curry shoes of all time. The dude's well, a square. Why do you say that? Because he's a square. Okay. He's so boring. It's just boring. I mean, obviously I'm a hater. I'll readily admit that I'm a <laughs> hater. And part, I almost feel bad for him because it's really not his fault, the hype that, gets around, that he got surrounded with, you know what I mean? Stop what? munching on your fucking mouthpiece. <laughs> drives dude, me that the wall. Yeah, see, it's not that as much. The flexing thing is what drives me nuts. It's like, dude, you weigh 160 pounds. Like, come on. Give me something else. All right? Yeah. You didn't, you didn't make that shot because you finished over anyone with strength, okay? Like, it was because you made a crazy shot. Like, it was impressive, but no. You, you're not going through anybody and dunking on them. Let's, let's be real, all right? Let's... Let's reserve the let's reserve the flexing for the people who are actually large. Well, you talk about you know, a lot of this stuff around Steph Curry not being his fault. This is one thing that falls in that category. I go up to my gym now to play basketball three or four times a week, and you've got these high school kids chucking up half quarters, and they 
They're not shooters. They're not good shooters. <laughs> Screaming Steph Curry. <laughs> and it's all because of Steph Curry that everyone yeah. wants to be like him now. Yeah. I mean, and I get that because he's a little more relatable in the, in the fact that um, he's an average-sized person. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. not You can't be LeBron. No matter how much you want to be LeBron, you can't. It's just not physically possible. Or most of the guys in the NBA, honestly. It's just, I don't know, man. He's, I, they got too big too fast. That whole team rubbed me the wrong way. I don't like them a whole lot. Let's uh, finish out here. A few more Rick George topics from that roundtable. Um, of course, uh, the, the big thing to come out of that was the fact that he has been in discussions with CSU's athletic director about playing them in the future. We do know the series is going to take, I think, a two-year two hiatus for sure. Yeah. But then they're talking about maybe going two years on, two years off. Well, two years on, two years off. And then it would be campuses back and forth instead of playing down in Denver. Yeah. What, what are your thoughts on that? The CSU side of it um, kind of let out some info that it's – I don't know if it's necessarily going to in the future be two on, two off, but it has to be to start. So I think the years they're looking at are 2023 and 24. Correct. Is that right? Yeah. So the two years after that CSU schedule is already full. So – we're not playing those two seasons. So it would be interesting if they get back on a more full-time basis after that. I think it's probably good. Like, it's it's fun to hate on CSU and say we don't need them. And all that's probably true in some regard. But it, it is the most natural rivalry that we have right now. People can say that it's not, but it is. I mean, I don't like CSU. There's a reason for that. I mean, you know, you know what I'm saying? So I think it's good that it'll go back to campus. Um, I think we'll get hurt a little bit by the home and home. I think some te- some people will say that's a soft on our part, which I understand. But with CSU getting a new stadium, I, I think it's cool. I, I mean, we'll, we'll be able to be a part of that, and I don't have any problem going up there and getting beer thrown on me every once in a while. I, I think I think it's a fun robbery that's important to the state. So I, I'm cool. I'm cool with the fact that they're not playing it every single year, but I, I don't think I would have been fully happy if we just stopped playing them all together. So I think it's a good balance. There's no question that it's true that CU has a lot more to lose than to gain oh, by the sure. rivalry. But there, like you said, there's more hate between these fan bases than any hate that CU fans can really. I know you hate Arizona State. There's a lot of CU fans that don't mm-hmm. like certain schools, but it just it's. I don't think it reaches to the level that, that you get with, with CSU. Yeah, no, I agree with that, especially because they're right next to you. You know, it's one of those. You, it's one thing to hate somebody that you don't deal with unless you play them. You know, like, I don't deal with Arizona State except for three times a year. We play them once in football, we play them twice in basketball. That's the only time I ever have to see ASU fans. And obviously they come into Blake Street for to watch all their games, but they're cool outside of the, you know what I mean? Like, th- that group of people I don't have any problem with at all. It's really, it's really, it's like their team's more than the fans with them, so it's different. But with CSU, it's the fans. And they're in Colorado. You see them all the time. They come into Blake Street all the time with their hat on. See me wearing a CU stuff because it's a CU bar. And they just say stupid stuff. It's like, why? Just stop talking to me, man. Like, no one cares about you. Okay? Just stop. I don't... I'm not trying to have this argument every time that I'm wearing a CU hat and you come in here. Go find a CSU bar. There isn't one. Take that for what it's worth. You can get more of these these great Tyler rants on his freeballing podcast. Yeah, you can, for sure. <laughs> That's unedited version of me. Now, I don't know if you want that or not, but... You will get it. So the drive to 105 sits right now at $95 million And uh, with naming rights for the club areas and the facilities coming up here, that, that should help that figure jump up in the near future. So 
Uh, everybody get on your knees and, and praise Rick George a little bit more. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested that they're, I didn't realize that they were using the that type of stuff for the Draft for 105. I thought that was exclusive donations. So uh, that's, that's included. That's cool that they're, <coughs> that, that all they needed was 105 with all of that included because that's pretty much a guarantee. They're going to do it within one year. I, I would imagine that that was not their expectation. I'm not sure, but I would think getting the full 105 done in one year was a lofty goal. Yeah. And Rick George said that their brick campaign grossed more than 600k, which, in the grand scheme of things, is like a small number. But you just made so many CU fans feel a part of this project. Yeah, it was really cool because they, they could have easily <laughs> skipped over that and gotten that 600k some other area. Yeah, I actually didn't get one, and I'm regretting it. So hopefully they let me do it again down the line. Well, what would just, your brick say, Tyler? I don't know. That was the main thing is I couldn't come up with anything that I was really happy with. Maybe we'll have a Twitter poll where people can vote on it and they can decide what my brick will say. I think it's too late, Tyler. I think you missed your chance. All right, well. They're going to do those bricks If Tyler soon. had a brick, what would it say? Twitter poll. Let's do it. Okay. All right. So Rick George uh, mentioned also that they had a balanced budget this year with a small surplus. Again, get on your knees. Praise the man. I mean, he's almost like godlike status at CU. And, and obviously nobody's perfect at their job, but uh, he's come pretty close. Yeah. New sound system in the Coors Event Center that costs six figures. Uh, there are plans for a hanging video scoreboard in the Coors Event Center. Rick George thinks that would really add to the environment, and I totally agree. Oh, for sure. That was the. I think you mentioned that would be like a two-year project. I think he said next year. Oh, next year. Okay. Uh, next year also for a new sound system in Folsom Field. Uh, I know a lot of CU fans. Uh, that's music to their ears. Oh, that's good. That was good. They're going to install rails in both the Coors Event Center and Folsom Field. Can you Field. talk to me about what that means? What's that? Are they talking about like on the stairs? Because they just said that, and I was just like, I don't know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like yeah. stair rails. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I didn't know if they meant like up on the mezzanine so that people could stand up there with drink rails or something. Yeah. Or Well, it's in Folsom Field, the steps are kind of a weird size, uh, and we're always rushing down the media. We're always rushing down to the field uh, for interviews after the game, and a former CU beat writer, I won't call him out here on the podcast, but he went tumbling down those stairs. Uh, I think he's probably wishing they had installed these hand, these rails a little bit earlier. <laughs> I don't know who that was. You're going to have to tell me after. Okay. I felt okay, so, so bad so for him. So stair, stair rails. I'm just yeah. trying to clarify that. Cause I where, where else are they going to put rails? Well, that's, I thought maybe they were going to do like drink rails, like up on, you know, like oh, okay. where people walk around before they get to their seats. They have those wooden walls basically yeah. in the football okay. stadium now i was wondering if they were going to knock those down and put drink rails around okay i don't i don't think that's what this is okay <laughs> there's going to be a new tradition of the the players walking down the buff walk uh, from colorado avenue when they get to the stadium the indoor practice facility is going to have some games for children um, as well as a tailgate area so uh, they're going to you know you use that area no one's going to be parking in their car on the new practice fields you, you raised your hand, Yeah, Tyler. follow-up question again. Someone asked me about this the other day, and I didn't know the answer, and I thought it was a good question. Are you going to be able to park your car on the field, indoor practice field? No. Okay, so you have to bring all your tailgating stuff up from the parking garage. Unless you uh, are a big enough donor that you can actually park in the – there's, you know, the parking lot right underneath the indoor right. practice field. So, and uh, they've, they've already gone about assigning those spaces to people and stuff. Okay. Yeah, that was my. I didn't know okay. if you would be able to like pull right up in there and set out your tailgating stuff like you can in the parking lot. No, I don't think so. Okay. 
and then uh, the last thing here is uh, after they get done with all these you know these projects that I mentioned here you know the sound system in Folsom the video scoreboard all that stuff uh, you got to do something something with the west side of that stadium Fulch Field House is an eyesore Rick George doesn't know yet what they're gonna do there I've always had the opinion you gotta just demolish that thing. I don't think there's any any renovating that. <laughs> yeah, I agree, but that's expensive. I mean, that's gotta be a similar in money to what they did with the. Uh, Can you? I guess I don't know enough with about. The Can you really renovate that? In, in I don't know what you would do with it. I mean, I'm, there are people much smarter in that field than me that I'm sure could come up with something that's awesome. But I, it, it would be hard hard for me to imagine that they could do something that would make sense for the money. You would think that it would cost a lot of money to renovate it to make it look nice. You might as well just redo the whole thing. And redo the press box, get us some plush recliners. And <laughs> they they get maybe every 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 media member has their own flat screen. That would be nice. Good luck. Yeah, they're they're not gonna take care of us. <laughs> That's literally gonna be the last thing they do is take take care of the press box. Well, this was a fun show, Tyler. I think I didn't expect us to talk as long as we did, but uh, it's fun to kind of answer everybody's question and, and go down the list and, and kind of update everybody on these commits. I think it was a good show. Excited. Scout.com uh, is now uh, where buffstampede.com is. And, again, you gotta take you got to take advantage of that promo. What, what I'm, am I selling this enough, Tyler? I mean, you guys six are, months for the price of one. You know your guys are going to miss us if you don't come over who are you going to talk to? You know what I'm saying? No, I think I no, I don't think you're overselling it. I think it's an exciting time for us and we want everybody to be a part of it and it's a pretty sweet deal. I mean, I, I think I don't you could probably answer this better than me whether most people do month to month or annual. But uh it's better to do annual because then you just you don't have to worry about that monthly charge. Yeah, and, no, I mean because you you know you change credit cards and then your laps all of a sudden you don't have access to the Yeah, that's yet. what I, I used to do the annual. I know as well, but you know, either way, I think it'll be, you know, most of you, most of you guys are probably on these boards for the family atmosphere and the ability to talk to all of us about buff sports and the best place is going to do it is now on Scout. So we need the whole, we'll we need there. the whole gang over. Everybody, everybody yeah. needs to come. Everybody needs to come, and we've got a couple awesome podcasts coming up. Ryan Miller, we talked about at the beginning of the show, was very colorful and very honest. Um, very. Very honest. And then Bobby Pesavano, those podcasts are coming your way. And then we'll, you'll hear us again on uh, you know just a standard podcast here pretty soon. We appreciate you for tuning in. And right now, literally right now, get on your computer and sign up for Scout.com. Thank you. It might seem crazy what I'm about to say.